Welcome to Prison to the Premiership, the Jamie Lawrence story, in the company of Flex, Otis Roberts, Michael Adams, special guests, and the incomparable Jamie Lawrence. Aim Higher is a Jason Roberts Foundation production. Part 3, A Fresh Start. So, Jay, um, next part, you know, building up to coming out of jail um, for, your, for your second stint. We've got some two, two very special guests with us today as well, which we'll get onto very shortly. Um, but talk to us with, um, you know, your mindset up to coming out of your, you know, what is your second stint in jail now? And, you know, you want to play professional football. You've been coming out on a regular basis to play. You're, you know, you're in the groove, as they say. Talk to us about that. Well, obviously, um, I've... I've now got a glimpse that I might be able to become a professional footballer, which I've always wanted to do. Obviously, circumstances um, conspired against me. But for me, the saviour was ended up in Camp Hill. And Mr. Walder for me and Dal Young went out on the limb for me, especially Mr. Walder where he's given me the job in the gym where mm. I can train as much times as I, as I wanted to. So I'll be there... I do my jobs about nine o'clock. Then from nine o'clock, from about 10 o'clock onwards, I can play football, I can be in the gym, even tennis, I can do whatever I wanted to do. And that's what I've done. Every opportunity to train, I talk. Even in my cell, I'll go back to my cell and I'll train with a sole focus that when I've got released, if I go on trial, I'll be the best version of me. Did you feel, did you feel like a sense of... Um like debt, like almost like you owed those two, like to make it. Yeah, but I think you pay people back in debt by conducting yourself in the right way and giving it everything you got. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, that's, and that's exactly what you did. So, you know, the first couple of clubs that, that you, you know, arrive at, you come out of jail now, you're looking to start that ladder to climb it, um, to becoming a, a fully-fledged professional footballer. Talk to us. Um, my first club, Southend, Barry Fry, Edwin Steen. Um, at first, and they had, obviously, they had Ricky Otto was there, who had been in prison himself. I had Andy Ansar, Chrissy Powell, Brett Angel. To be fair, they all looked out for me, but the fitness what I had in prison was different than football fitness. Mm. Like, I, find it, I found it quite hard. And going into a changing room as well, people don't realise how hard that is. Like, what I'll were the complexities with that? Yeah, like, I come out of prison. So, people love a bit of banter in the changing room. I, if someone spoke to me like that out on the road, I'm looking to fight you. Yeah. I've had to, my natural instinct, I've had to hold that back. So you had but to learn like a whole new culture? Had a whole new culture. It opened up my eyes to a lot more in life than that. So like little things like crossing and shooting, I'm playing out wide, I get across wrong, goes behind the goal, and then you're getting ribbed to the point where you don't even want to cross the ball no more. You know what I mean? So you're suffering yeah. like confidence-wise. So I'm there, I'm there for a month. I don't really get nothing. Then Barry Silkman takes me to Millwall. I'm there for a month. Don't get nothing there. But this time now, I'm building up my fitness because I'm, I'm one of those like, I'll get... Yeah bit quickly because my mentality I don't want to lose nothing then I went to um, where did I go Wimbledon don't get nothing there but then obviously I end up at Sunderland where 
listen, that's the best thing that happened to me, me getting sent into Sunderland, 300 miles away from London, away from all the rubbish, um, away from all the stuff what I've done in the past and getting a chance to play professional football. I wanted to pick up on it there, though, before we carry on. The fact that you said you just mentioned three clubs there, there for a month of time, and the way you explain it, didn't get anything, didn't get anywhere. Yeah. That there, when we're talking about young people as well, about mentality, and you're talking about turning a life around, you've had another three instant hurdles to try and jump over. And essentially, you could argue that you fell at, at three of them. You know, you could have said, look, didn't make it. It's three clubs I've been to now. Maybe there's something wrong with me. You could have second-guessed yourself, but you still kept going, and now you find yourself at Sunderland. Yeah, listen, every, it hurt. Every knockback hurt, right? But at the end of the day, you've got to dust yourself off and come again because that was three people's opinion. For me, there's another 89 in the country, right? So all I need is for one door to open, and then I'm off and running. That's mm. that always my philosophy. I wouldn't give up on anything. And that's probably why I achieved what I did. So at Sunderland, what, 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 sorry, go on, Mike. It was, it was Terry Butcher, wasn't it? Took the chance on you at Sunderland? Uh, Terry Butcher is an absolute legend for me. Like, never judge me for what, I, what I've done in the past, which people were, were doing anyway. He just, he judged me for now and what the person I was then. So like me going out there on trial, playing quitting myself well, done really well in the trial and telling me that he's going to sign me on my mum's birthday would really, really special for me. So it kind of went from there. Um, and then, you know, you're doing well at Sunderland Are you feeling like, you know what, you finally found your place now. You know what, obviously when you sign a contract and that, even though it's little money and that, you think you cracked it, right? <laughs> you're living that life and no one, remember, no one has ever taught me how to be a professional footballer. I remember the first, pre um, first pre-match meal we had. <laughs> I don't know what a pre-match meal is. <laughs> well, are you just like putting everything on the plate, no portion control, nothing? Or are you just looking at it thinking, what even is yeah. it? No, they used to come round and ask you what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I said to you? I said, um, steak and chips. Huh? <laughs> I must have had scrambled egg and beans and that, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and obviously, like, I've just been let out for three years. Three years, two months I've been behind the door. I've not mm -hmm. had a bird for ages. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm socialising as well, yeah. Socialising way too much. And then David Rush comes into my life as well, which is a bad mix, me and him. <laughs> <laughs> We're out all the time because he come from Sunderland, so he showed me all round. And oh, God. Obviously, terrible <laughs> act, which was, that killed me. And Mick Buxton took over, which he never liked me at all. So is, that where you saw, is that where you saw the shift then? Was that, I don't want to say the beginning of the end of Sunderland, but was that where you definitely felt like, okay, you had it under one manager and it just shows how how ruthless football can be sometimes when literally another manager comes in, might not, might not, you know, like your game or, or particularly but, like you, it just doesn't work sometimes. But, you know, he was the reserve team manager. So he knew me. It wasn't like he never knew me. Yeah. I could always sense that he never liked me. But yeah. the way I was later on in my career, 
I would never have thrown the towel in. I would have stuck there and tried to do more and change his view. But yeah, when he came in, I had been in prison, obviously, and I had screws and whatever. And he was just like another screw, which obviously I, I weren't having. Yeah. So what what come after what come after that point then? I, I take it the relationship just started to, yeah, to deteriorate frosty. from there, and then what came next? Yeah, it was a frosty relationship anyway. He sold me to Doncaster for twenty thousand pound. Ian Atkins was manager. Um, I was there for two months with Ian Atkins, and then he got sacked. It's like a real terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, mate. You seem like the common denominator. You not just getting these managers <laughs> sacked. Like <laughs> um. it, must, it must have been me. <laughs> But then, obviously, that he got sacked pre-season. Then um, I'm due back pre-season. They had to sort out digs for me. I came back later than everyone else because they sorted out mine's late. No one never knew about me in football, really. I had played probably about 10, 10 first, team, first team games, four at Sunderland and six at Donny. So no mm. one don't know about you after 10 games. Yeah. Um, Sammy Chung took over. I've come back. Um, we've trained. I've... I pissed, I pissed all the running. I'm at the front and everything. Then we play the next day, play again, um, play some non-league team. I score one, make one. Um, next day, call me in the office, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. Mm. I, I used to get in trouble a lot, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so it's him and a person called George Smith, who was alleged proper sergeant major. But if he liked you, he had you. Right? Yeah. So one in the office sat me and said, sit down. So asked me, what do you want to achieve in football? I said, I just want to get to the top. I said, you've got all the tools you need to um, be a premiership player. And I always remember that. The confidence it, it gave me, like, I was like six foot tall. So I was going out every week, playing well, taking fullbacks on, crossing the ball, doing all what I'm known to do. But then I'm in London. I was there 10 months. I'm in London. Get a phone call. Leicester want to sign you. Like, I, wow. said to him, I said, you're winding me up. Said, no, <laughs> they want to sign you. So next day we go out there. Mark McGee um, signed me 300 grand in the premiership. That's- that is brilliant. I, I, I mean, did you expect that to come so quickly? With being as determined as you was, could, did you think, I'm, I'm going to play hard, I'm going to play good, and I know I'm going to get my move, that it's just a matter of time? Or did you just think, you know what, maybe this is my level now. I'm here um, at, at, at Doncaster, I'm doing all right. This, this, is, just, this is just my level. No, I was out probably 16, 17 months, but there's one thing I've always done. is I've always tried to be better than yesterday, right? So... I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to get there, right? And when people knock me down and all that, it probably helps me a lot more. Mm. I don't need no packs on the back for working hard. But people nowadays don't want packs on the back for working hard. Me, I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to work as hard as I can. And the boys will tell you, like, that's my thing. Like, I will never cheat no one on the football pitch. That's just my thing. And, and I think if you put it in enough, then the rewards will come. So Leicester, you, is that? Did you feel the step up? Did you feel? Well, I tell you what, this is this is this is taking shape now. Or did you again just take it in your stride? You know, you wasn't scared first day of training. Wasn't scared first match. No, you know what? I never, I always took things in my stride. I remember first training session and that 
I used to play play at the back a lot in training. And I'm rattling people for fun. <laughs> I could imagine yeah. you just in people's ears. And a lot of people never train like that, but that's all uh, I always train like that. And I was instantly, the boys talked to me instantly because of my work ethic. Not because of my technical ability, but because of my work ethic. And Jamie. I think, yes, sir. How long have you been a pro at this period? Um, some, no, but yeah, 17 months. So... Did you now feel like a pro? Had you fully, you fully no. understood? You fully, go on. I'm, no, I'm not, I don't feel like a pro because I never knew how to act as a professional footballer. That's what I said. At Leicester, I probably let myself down a little bit because I was travelling back and forth from London to Leicester and then travelling back. Like, we're at a point where I should be working on technique and extras after training, I'm jumping in my car and trying to beat the traffic. Just seeing it as a tick box, like a checklist, right, done that, right, yeah, now I can go and Yeah, I'm trying. I want to need to get back to London and want to see my friends get in the booze or see, see a bird or whatever. Well, mm. this is, obviously, I've not, I've not been taught anything. I've never, I've never been coached. I've never been taught how to play, um, how to be a professional footballer. So, like, obviously, like, Mark McGee has been there it's going all right. I'm bit part player. Then he walks out and goes to walls. And then, then Martin O'Neill comes in, which is the geezer's a ledge. Right? Taught me all about winning. Taught, taught me about not cutting corners. Give me the biggest dressing down of my career, though, where I had to hold my hands up and say, like, you're right. Was that because of the way you just, like you said there, the way you was acting, you could see you cutting corners, doing a bit of a checklist. You're not, you're not conducting yourself like a professional footballer. What, he, he came in and saw that instantly in you? He's, he's, no, it took him a while, but he saw that um, I went off ill for a bit and he never believed me. Right. Was you faking it? Yeah. I was faking it. No? <laughs> <laughs> I was faking it. And then we had... I got a funny feeling... The- Gaffer, when he talks to you later, might have a few of those stories, mate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, only one. He's only got one. But then, um, what, what happened? We had Crystal Palace in the playoff final. And everyone's got their suits and all that. I've tried to get back involved and all that. He's called me outside. He's gone to me, listen, get your suit and fuck off. I don't want to see you until next season. Wow. So you tried to jump back on when, yeah. you know, the big games are coming and... Yeah. You know, try to act involved. Then I'll, I'm over it, Gaff. I've, I've had my night nurse. I've had my Benelin. I'm good. Yeah. And he's just shut me down. Shut me down quickly. I've gone back to London now. I watched the playoff final um, in London. Obviously, wanted the boys to win because there's a lot of dough on it as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> Clary just scored a worldie in the last minute. Right? Then we're up to the Premiership. But the one thing I liked about Martin O'Neill, never held grudges. Mm. Right, so the next season, not a word has been said about last season. I come back pre-season, doing well, but we was going to army camp. Um, it was going to army camp for pre-season for a week. So I've turned up late, fifteen minutes late. You know me; I don't like being late anyway. Right? Turned up fifteen minutes late. <laughs> They've gone. I'm thinking, fuck it, I'm in trouble here. What so, was, was left in that 15 they, minutes they left went, you behind 
left. <laughs> so the next day, I'll get, I'll get the train up. It's near Cornwall, right? Tor Point, I think it was. Or Torquay, I think. So I've got the train there. So he's asked me, he's innocent. He's gone, what happened? He's gone off. I've gone to him, lied. Trains were delayed. I'm thinking, I swallowed it, yeah? <laughs> next day after training, we're at lunch, called me outside. He's gone, fucking lying. Oof. He just ripped into me. He had all the train times ripped out of <laughs> the paper. Right? Nothing delayed. Right? It's gone to me. It's oh gone. my God. It's gone to me. It's going to be the hardest preseason you ever do in your life. I was traveling with the first team, reserve team, and the kids. There are no Jeez. days off. There are no what, days off. put you in every training session possible? No days off. Right? I'm traveling <laughs> everywhere. I'm traveling all over the country. But because I put my head down, just got on with it, wiped my mouth. By the start of the season, we played Sunderland away, started again. Right, and that's how it continued, like with Martin O'Neill. And I, I'm, I'm not playing all the time, but I'm around it. Yeah, and then yeah. this it was just after Christmas, I used to meet Steve Courage, and the train was delayed. I actually was genuinely delayed. <laughs> Are you sure it was delayed this time? Yeah, <laughs> it was delayed. I think I was meeting him at Milton Keynes or somewhere like this. I was genuinely delayed, and he had to go because not to be late for training. But what I would have normally done, I would have went back home. But what I'd done, I got a cab from Milton Keynes to train in at Leicester. And Steve oh, Walford... Dispensive cab. <laughs> yeah, but Steve Walford was um, coach then. And I've gone... They used to sit around the back, him and John Robinson, and collect the fines for their whiskey and their fags. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, hope so, Premier, I hope Premiership football's not like this now. <laughs> no, not like that now. So I... <laughs> So I come in and I've gone, what's the fine? He's gone, I ain't finding you. He's gone, last season, you would have went on and you would have turned up so you've come on tenfold. Mm. And that's when I was like, I've been accepted now. And that season, obviously, we, we, we stayed up comfortable and we won the league. And the relationship with the gaffer at the time, tremendous. Even when I see him now, he gives me a hug and says that he's proud of me. So it was a long way, mate. First of all, quickly, how did it come to an end at Leicester and where did you move on to? Um, Leicester, um, two and a half years, my contract was up. He actually offered me a new contract, but he said to me, listen, if you sign this contract, you've got to move to Leicester. Not having you travelling back and forth from London, which was a fair point to be fair. Yeah. Then, um, then he's gone to me, I can offer you two years, but I can't guarantee you first team football. For me, every footballer, should want to play every week. That's why you, that's why you train, right? Mm. To play. So for me, I was like, no, I can't do that. So I went and met him for dinner or whatever. I said, Gaffer, I'm not going to sign. I need to go and see how good I can be. Mm. Uh, if that means I take a step back to come forward, then I'm going to do that. Then um, two teams, he said to me, like a couple of clubs were in for you. He said, I'll let you go for £50,000 because of a service what you've given me. Yeah. Which, which I think, you won't get managers doing that now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that's why players played for him. So, obviously, like, it's Gillingham, Bradford. Um, my, my agent's gone, like, Bradford, Bradford's yours. So, Cammy, I sign when I'm in Jamaica via fax. <laughs> and, I come back, pre-season, the gap with the first pre-season, 
I'll step off the plane about two days before and I'll go up to Bradford. I'm in the, the Stackers Hotel. That's where I'm living for a bit. But I wasn't fit because I hadn't done nothing in Jamaica. I hadn't done nothing. And Cammy, my God, he loved the run. Right? <laughs> Six and a half miles, the first one, the canal, canal run, right? And he's at the front. You know what I mean? He's the gaffer, he's at the front. I'm running with the keepers and Nicky Moen. Right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> You know you're in trouble when you're running with the keepers. Yeah, and Nicky Moen. I know I'm in trouble, yeah. But obviously I got I get fit quite quick, so a couple of weeks I'm fit, but we started all right that yeah. We was doing all right. I remember the game against, we battered Huddersfield away. I played really well in that game. And we're thinking, yeah, we've got, we got a chance of promotion. Then the wheels fell off and then he got sacked. So another manager leaves on your watch. Yeah, another <laughs> That's what we're one. saying here. <laughs> another one. one. Yeah. I've lost count of the casualties Only that three. have fallen to, <laughs> to Jamie oh. Lawrence. I <laughs> don't know three. if it's your, just infectious or it's your personality drives them away. I don't know, but it's, uh, there's a lot... <laughs> There's a lot of managers seem to just be leaving on your watch, mate. Yeah, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens after that then? Then the gaffer takes over. You are listening to Prison to the Premiership, the Jamie Lawrence story. I've known the gaffer because Eddie Yance and the gaffer were good friends. And I've been out for a drink with them a couple of times or whatever. We got them from early doors because he took me from my medical. I feel like we're naturally at this point now where we introduce the guest, actually. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Uh, guys, uh, for you guys listening, we do have Paul, Paul Jewell here with us. Um, and Jay. Jamie's just naturally going into some stories there and Paul's just interjecting <laughs> saying, I've got some stories. Um, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about uh, Jay's early time there at Bradford. I mean, he was just going into his, his medical there. Um, talk, talk us through, you know, your early thoughts of Jamie and, and some of those early times. Well, I think sometimes we all make um, decisions on people that you don't know. I always remember that stupid haircut. That was a pineapple, <laughs> that, whatever it is on his So I, Gaffer says, take him for his medical, so I'll take him for his medical get in the car and I'm thinking he's got a gold tooth right? not real gold but it's gold coloured <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I'm in the car and it's, he has a medical impasse so I went back and I went um, Cammy went out of the gold so well he's passed everything but the specialist wants a second opinion on his barnet so <laughs> some people are precious about it so we laughed and from then on we got on we got on like house on fire and um yeah, you know, from a distance, you look at someone, don't you? We all make judgments and we shouldn't do. But it was completely the opposite of how, if I'm being honest, when we brought him in, I thought, looks a bit of a, you know, a wrong, you know, and I don't, I don't mean that horrible, but you, you have that opinion. Like people have opinions of me who have no idea about me. And it's difficult sometimes to change that opinion, but I've worked with him for, you know, a few days. I could see that he was, he was a genuine, likeable guy. That's what I was going to ask you there. How long did it take you guys to start seeing actually our preconceived thoughts of him or what we thought may have been, you know, on the tin isn't actually what we've opened up and found inside? Well, I think Jamie will be the first to say that. And when the gaffer, when Cambridge was manager, Jamie wasn't still living his life properly. There's no doubt mm -hmm. about that. 
Yeah. I remember one meeting after a QPR game, yeah. and he said, you know, he said, Jamie, there you go, these mustardy eyes every Monday yeah. morning, and stuff like that. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think, I don't know, you'd have to ask Jamie what the, the, the defining moment was, but right. if he'd have carried on living his life like he was and getting back to London every single opportunity, he wouldn't have had the clear... I guess that he that he ended up having because something in in, in his in his um, in his brain said, "Look, I've got to screw the nut here." He go work hard, and he did that with so much abundance, and um, he got the, he got the rewards from it. But it, you know, he was I think he'd be fair to say, even at that stage, he wasn't living his life as like like professional footballer should. That's fair to say, Jim. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, what we got to say on on that, Jay? When did the penny drop? Um, that first season, obviously, like I wasn't as fit as I wanted to be. Um, I weren't performing as much as I wanted to. Wanted to, and for me, I was I was always a winner, and I always cared, right? So that season when the gaffer took over, we went crew, didn't we, gaffer? And he kept us on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five-one uh, yeah. halftime was it, or something what? like five-nil? Well, Before he scored, the, 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 the reason I said that because the day before. I was only caretaker yeah. till the end of the season. Yeah. And Jeffrey Richmond called me in. It was near the end of the season, April time, summer shine. He said, look, he said, I know results haven't gone great, but he said, I quite like what I see in you, so I'm going to give you the job, give you a two-year contract, and we'll announce yeah. it on Monday, as long as you don't get me 5 nil tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> 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 my God. Oh, my God. There is exactly... And we both laughed. It's a Friday afternoon in the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're four nil down at half time. Oh, and it's sunshine. So I said, I mean, you talk about Phil Brown at Man City. I sent them out at half time. I got an address and I thought, what am I going to do? I've got to show, I've got to do something that's bizarre yeah. Because as I'm walking down the tunnel, everyone, all, the, all our supporters are shouting, you, you know, you're garbage, you're rubbish, you're mm. you know. So I'm thinking, well, I've got to do something. So I got them in, sent them straight out, and they were just like, it's not a great thing to do, but I didn't know what else to do, if I'm being honest. Mm. Anyway, fair play to Jeffrey. He, he kept his word. He gave me the job, but you can't make that up. He says, provided we don't get me five mil on the boat last <laughs> Yeah, four mil down the last time. And obviously the players didn't know that. So, um, that, yeah, so, so here's Jamie fun. about to get another manager sacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, I remember that. I remember that game like it was yesterday. Like, but to be fair to the gaffer, we had that or seven loans. Yeah, yeah I mean, couldn't yeah, move. Yeah. They couldn't move at all. So, like the next season, I have a year now left on my pre, uh, my contract pre-season, and I'm I'm saying to myself, you know what? I'm gonna have to give myself the best opportunity of being a professional footballer of some substance where I want to play in the Premier League. So. All pre-season, never touched one drink, never even went on holiday. So I was training six o'clock, 12, six o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock in the afternoon and 12 o'clock at midnight. And I was timing my runs in the gym as well. And I was timing everything and I'm like, yeah, <coughs> all right. You finally got it now. Yeah, I got it, penny dropped, went back to pre-season, flying, flying, I was proper flying. And that was Pretty where it started. That's where it started. Mike, I know you wanted to come in there. Yeah, because uh, Jamie, there's a recurring pattern. Because if you think about when we talked about um, when your parents left when you were 17. Yeah. Um, and you moved to Croydon. Yeah. And you found yourself in Battersea every day. Yeah. All right. And that's what I'm hearing 
reoccurring later when yeah. you know when paul's describing the early days you know you're, yeah. you're finding yourself in london you're go you're going all right i've done that now get back to my boys get back to my yeah. patch yeah. you know so there was a little bit of you there that obviously you know felt like you, you you couldn't complete what you had to complete where you were you had to go back and have this attachment yeah. uh and that's maturity yeah. to, to come out the other end of that yeah 100 percent. Like, obviously i love my friends and it like they've been through everything with me a lot of them some good some bad so obviously like especially but I used to always have London birds most of the time anyway, so I want to come back and do what I'm doing. But in the end, I was like, I put my career before London. Do you know, Even though I'd come back sometimes and the gaffer would pull me all the... The gaffer would pull me and say, you're going back to London too much. Uh, and then I'll slow it down, you know? <laughs> like a little homing pigeon. like he just wanted to go I mean, back. Paul, had you kind of worked out how to get in his head? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think um, I used to just drop little things because you, used, uh, you know, no one's as you said before, I'm not going to bully him. But I used to try and say stuff to him, like you know, I, I'll give you one situation. We're boxing on the pitch, but I can see it, and it's clear as day now. And big Jamie on Strong's an ox fight anyone. He said, "I've got a long throw." Right? <laughs> so he's got the ball. He's rubbing like and all that. Takes this big run up, and he didn't even throw it out of his own shadow. Right, <laughs> <laughs> so I say the ball slipped on his arm. Honestly, but um, so I used to drop little bombs into him on a Saturday or so on a Monday. I was like, "What's the video, Jamie?" So Saturday, you poor, you know, you got you got you, you jumped out of this tackle and then walk away. And I knew he'd be fuming. Mm. And that, that, come the end of the week, I just start giving him little bits and pieces. Some players would take it, some players couldn't. But with, with Jamie, he was different to a lot of players wasn't the most technically gifted but he was he made the most what he had and because as I said before if he carried on going back to London and nothing's wrong in going back at the right time he probably wouldn't be having this conversation now but he was uh, he was he was just a great a, a team's at all that's that that Bradford team we had was a proper team because we had Jamie on one side we had Biggs on the other side Biggs was the maverick who you know had great technical ability and Jamie was the, the absolute workhorse and when I say workhorse I don't want to do him a disservice because he was a better player than that. But he balanced us out so well. And he wouldn't have been able to do that if he didn't have the fitness. He wouldn't have been able to do that a year earlier because he couldn't run, he couldn't keep it going for 90 minutes. Mm. Once a, you know, once he, he, he got himself in a, in a great shape, he, he played trained every day like that. And it just sadly became an asshole bomb. But he was, um, he was a great, and never, I want to say never had a second problem with him. Of course, I had loads of problems with him, but yeah. nothing. <laughs> I think that, no. <laughs> What I say, they were always honest mistakes, you know what I mean. And he, um, I think he knew that I that that I was I I liked him as not just as a, as a player, but as a guy. Obviously, his history it's a great story. Um, but he knew that um, if I had something to say to him, I would say it. And he always tried to take it on board. That's just yeah. it, there, Paul. Because you know, you don't strike me as someone like you said who would mix your words or, or, or shy away yeah. from anything. Was you ever? Worried, or was it ever a problem in terms of you and Jamie, two strong personalities coming to blows? And and if so, how how did that you know affect the team morale? Or well, if it came to blows, there's only one winner. <laughs> <laughs> I let you I let you work out which one that is, buddy. He was never ever any but respectful, and um, he knew I'd respect him. It was never that. It was just. Um, I was the type of manager. It was my first job, by the way, and I was thirty. Yeah. 
some of the players are older than me. So, um, you know, I was passionate about some of the players, you know, some players, are fine. one of my, my failings as a manager was that I thought everyone would, would be able to, to handle the truth, you know, and I did not come from Liverpool. I was brought up at Ronnie Moran and Roy Evans and Joe Fagan and Bob Paisley. Well, if you ever got a well done from them, you'd won the pools, never mind anything else. So I, w- mm. I was, I never thought that a pat on the back would always, that's why I think I probably struggle to manage today because everyone wants you to tell them how good they are, even when they're not. So, um, mm-hmm. but that's that's my management, and that's that's the way the modern world is, and mm-hmm. and, and that's fine. I, you know, if I ever went back into management, I would have to definitely curtail or, or, or change my style slightly. But I think the fundamentals are there, and Jamie knew, and the players at yeah. that club at that time, most of them, if not all, they knew that. You know, we were we were an honest bunch. We were honest bunch, and I could say anything to them. And I only said things to try and get the best out of them. You know, yeah. you, sometimes you, I look back and. I cringe at some of the things I did say because I was a young manager and mm. heads up and you, you know but now that I'm the job I'm doing now with Swindon help trying to help Richie not make them mistakes but you have to you have to be passionate but sometimes you know you say things I definitely used to say stuff to Jamie and walk away just to wind him up because I knew he had this this alpha male thing about him he wanted to be the big tough guy mm. and I say to him he got ragged by his older or, or some and I, I can see the steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> just like poking him with a stick and just waiting yeah. for him to just explode, like, just, yeah. Yeah. Did, in the right way, though. Did the dynamic, as the, you being the manager, Paul, did the dynamic of Jamie being an ex-Jailbird kind of have some kind of aura amongst the team, or was that quickly ironed out, or it didn't even, didn't even show itself? Tony, in my view, I don't think it showed itself. We never, I don't ever really mention it. Stuff. I do remember Craig Rambers breaking his breaking Jamie's cheekbone in training though and stuff That's like that. Cool. And Rambers was one of the softest guys in the world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie and Rambers was terrified. He went underground, I think. Um, <laughs> but but the, uh, the jail things, I don't know, Jay. It's certainly from our point of view. It was never mentioned. It was never mentioned. As I, I've, been, I've said something before. For me, I wanted to get the respect of my peers for my football ability. Not talk about my my jail or whatever. We're here and now. That's gone. I didn't even know till you were saying before that he'd done two stints in jail. I didn't know that. Oh, right. There you go. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know that. He did. Yeah, done done three and four years. Yeah, I didn't know. I knew that whatever being, but I didn't even know. So what the point is I'm saying to you, Michael, it didn't matter to us. It certainly yeah. didn't matter to me and it was never, our staff never discussed what I, because we've, listen, anyone who's never made mistakes in the past, uh, I mean, if you if you haven't, if you say you haven't, you're telling lies, aren't you? you know, we've all mm, made mistakes. Mm, mm. And um, no, so it was never an issue, certainly for uh, the players, it was never an issue and definitely not the staff, not supporters. And I think going back to, um, to Bradford with Jamie, he seemed to find his home there and, yeah. you know, and then he got more comfortable, the fans loved him, he loved them. So, Going back to London, I don't know, Jay, you might tell me, was less of a was less of a, an attraction because he was yeah. revered up here. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I've I've stopped going back to London. Sometimes I want to go back for like a couple months because I was yeah. I was comfortable up north, uh, and it helped my game. It helped my game massively. All that travelling takes it out of you as well. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. after training and whatnot. And just, um, I know we've got another guest, Jay. So I want I'm I'm, I'm keen to to get them introduced and get them in. But in terms of playing in the Premier League, though, um, you know, you're playing against some of the biggest clubs in Europe. Um, you're playing against some of the best players in the world at the time. 
what was that like testing yourself against the best? But obviously, to, to be fair, the season we got promoted was an unbelievable season for us. Like, Gaffer was under pressure early doors. Like against, I think the game against Bolton live on Sky. I think we drew two two, and that was the beginning of an unbelievable run because I think we were full from bottom or something like that. And yeah, we had we spent money, and we had spent money as well, like Millsy and that coming. Hmm. But then we just clicked into gear. And we never, ever panicked when we went 1-0 down because we knew we had goals in our team and that. We had everything. If you wanted to fight us, we're, we're a fighter. If you wanted to play, we're, we're our player. And that changing room was a gaffer. A gaffer was honest. For me, I only play for, I play well for honest managers. You can tell me what you want. As long as you're honest, mm. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. If I play shit, I'll probably be the first one to say that I play shit. I mean, like, like Colm games weren't with speciality. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, you didn't play very well at home then? Colm games, Colm games. We used to have these Colm games on a Friday. Oh, Colm games, I thought you said yeah, home games. Yeah. Yeah. a little warm up. Jim and Isaiah Rank were always last pick. And uh, <laughs> you, can see, you can see the cones going like that's Jamie. <laughs> I, I played with Jane Cones like I played a game. Yeah? <laughs> uh, what are you like, Jamie? Honestly, yeah. So like that game as well, the final game against Wolves. Listen, couldn't even make it up. Huh? Oh. We, we we go there. We've been away as well. We've been away all week. I got dropped for the. I think the Oxford game at home, Gaffer. Yeah, yeah. I think Sharpie played in front of me, didn't he? Sharpie. Sharpie. Yeah, played. Sharpie played because I played rubbish against Port Vale. I was awful against Port Vale. Then um, we drew 0 0 Oxford. We need, we need to beat Wolves last game of the season to go up into the Premier League. Wow. They need to beat us to go in the playoffs. That's right. Yeah. So we go there. It's all on the line. Yeah, all on the line. But the best thing we done, we went away for a week and we was together, we was relaxed, and then um, they go one nil up, which was a foul as well, by the way, on the keeper. Then that's the best thing what could have happened to us. To be fair, like we we settled down, and we absolutely battered them. We went three one up, Blakey, Millsy, and Biggs. Then then Biggs misses a penalty in the mug. We would have been on easy street. <laughs> <laughs> I get bought down for a penalty. By Dean Richards, God rest his soul. Yeah. Yeah. And Biggs misses. Then they score. Let's get it right, Jamie. He yeah. always says it was a brilliant save by the keeper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Golden Banks. <laughs> That's what Jimmy's saying on as well. So, obviously, we miss. They go at the other end. Paul Simpson scores. Steve Ball's closing through. Scores. Then they got a free kick. Curls it round the wall. Walsh is nowhere near it. Hits it inside of the post. That's when you know that is your day. Yeah, and then definitely. And blow the whistle. And we win. Deserved, though. We deserved oh, it. Yeah. yeah, 100%. That was a good side. Good side, yeah. Yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds like there's some great, great memories there. And because, you know, that's the thing with all of us who have been and played football. Our memories are vivid. You can remember most games, all the incidents... You know, it's fantastic. But what I'm going to ask you now, Jane. Yeah. Did you ever try to pull the wool over the gaffer's eyes? 
that will come the next season. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. We're getting there, yeah? Are we getting there? Okay. Okay. That is premiership now. Premiership years now. (laughs) Um, Jay, so we have have got another guest with us today. Um, I I, I want you to introduce him. Listen, the next guest (laughs) is one of my um, favourite people in football. My good friend, um, Jimmy Walker from Walsall days. From when I went there, we got on like a house on fire from very, very early. Ended up in Marbella together after about nine each other about six weeks. I don't think we want to know about the Marbella stint. I don't know if that's going to be... I do, I do, because Jimmy, Jimmy's better looking than Jamie. He obviously <laughs> used him to attract the birds. <laughs> and he's got the gift of the gun. <laughs> we, was, we, was a, we was a decent partnership, mate, weren't we? Yeah, we were, mate. I work on the lockdowns, yeah? <laughs> um, we have got Jimmy here. He says, make sure you call me Jimmy or I won't remember that my name's James. Um, <laughs> how are you doing and thanks for joining us? No, my pleasure to be here. I've been listening to that. It's like I'm, like I'm a fan listening to it. It's been some great stories so far. Brilliant. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what, that's what we want to um, you know, get out of yourself as well, of, of your recollections of... Um, being around Jamie and obviously playing at the time with him, um, what what was what were some of the memories that stick out for yourself? And tell us a bit about you and Jamie's relationship. Yeah, so I mean, Jay came to. I didn't know a lot about Jay before he came to Warsaw. I was at Warsaw at the time. I've been there for about four. It's a good, a lot of years, seven or eight years at the time. Yeah. Had a great spell there. We managed to get into the champs. So it was it was around and about things. <clears throat> and I'm not uh, this. This obviously you're leading up into the Bradford days and that. It's it's just after that, but. Yeah. I remember playing Bradford at, um, at Valley Parade and when, I'm not sure if Paul was manager still there or not, but we had uh, a lad in midfield. Nicky Law. Nicky Law. So we had a lad in midfield, Simon Osborne, and our manager was Colin Lee, who I think we'll discuss as well. But I, I always remember like, Colin Lee used to buzz over this story because he'd go, oh yeah, Ozzy started giving it loads on the pitch and someone sat him down, he's got straight back up to have a little go at him and all that and he saw Jay standing above him and he's gone, ah, scrap that. He's <laughs> <laughs> shitty. Colin Lee loved that story and that's the only thing, when, when, we, was, when we was trying to sign Jamie, that's the only thing Colin said, oh, I've got, I think I've got a chance of getting him, he's going to be a brilliant signing for us and used to love that story and he's going, Ozzy, Ozzy, promise I won't let him near you and all that. So, <laughs> so I, I, that's the first I've really, I mean, obviously seen Jay playing and what have you, but I didn't know him as a person or anything. And he came into, I think we had an away trip and the first time I met him, he was on, he was on the bus, at the back of the bus and me and, end, uh, me and Jay ended up sitting next to each other and like I said, uh, he just hit it off straight away to be fair. My mate, one of my good friends had just been to Lillyshaw with him when he'd been, been injured, they'd both been getting back uh, to fitness at the same time when he used to go there to get fit mm. at the time. And, he, and my mate says, you, you'll, love, you'll love Jay, he's a great lad. He used to call him Shabs, I don't know why. But... <laughs> <laughs> a lover, man, isn't it? He was, yeah. Exactly. Shabba. You'll, you'll love Shabba. And I said, Shabba, he goes, Jay, and I was like, oh, he, 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 he looked, <laughs> keep going on about how much you love the LPR. Like, Lily Shaw's in the... Lily Shaw's oh, in the middle okay. of nowhere and we found this boozer and he's trying to order pink champagne and that there. Like, I'm some pint of Guinness, mate. <laughs> I, I, I've got it, I've got it, by the way. And yeah, you did get it, you got it. My yeah, mate was buzzing with you, like, he says, oh, I've never had a night like it. It was in the middle of nowhere in Lily Shaw, like some field near, uh, well, near Newport or somewhere out that way. Telford way. Right in the town like, centre of Newport. Nothing about. It's a, the only person he'd ever met could get a bottle of pink champagne in this backwater. Who is Jay? So he said, <laughs> My mate said, oh, you'll get an house on fire. So I sort of, when I sat next to him, we just, and then from there, like it says, it, it, it was it was brilliant. 
it was great. We've gone from that day really and been close ever since, to be fair. But you have to let us talk about Marbella in a little bit anyway. Yeah, I will definitely get to that. Because I know there was a funny story that you were saying when you weren't allowed um, away, Jay, because um, you was yeah, injured. That, was that with uh, Paul as well? Or was that yeah, a different that was Paul. manager? That was with that, yeah. Paul, can you remember what the story happened? that Jamie's talking about? Well, I can't. We were going to, I mean, he's, he's on about, he was, came back, he was in fantastic shape. I was in the, believe it or not, we were going to St. Kitts on pre season tour. Not my idea. <laughs> but we were going. And. Um, and the last, I think it was the last one we were doing 400 metres. He worked so hard. He was the front of everything. He was fit as a fiddle. Pulled his thigh. And, the last, and this on a Friday. I think we were going on a Saturday or a Sunday. So I said, you can't, you can't come with us. You have to stay behind and go to the Oxy Clinic, which was like uh, the hospital. So we, we, I made arrangements with through the physio every day or every, every other day. You'd have to go and get treatment while we were away. Anyway, we go away, um, come back. I was Jamie, um, I was, he has been, <laughs> and um, he said he was sick, and in the meantime, I had this anonymous letter, written in green ink, by the way. <laughs> I can tell you sort of what type of person it was, they wrote a letter saying, I see Jamie Lawrence in Iron Appa with this girl, blah, 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 last week, not signed, and I never, ever, in fact, sorry, it went to the chairman, and he showed it to me, it never, and it, someone hasn't got, the balls to sign a letter put the name on it it's like all these keyboard worries in it they've all got moody names yeah um, I would have just thrown it in a bin but I looked at it and I thought fucking hell I'll never forget it he's doing that seeing photo outside on <laughs> so he's there big smiley teeth and all that you know he's like he's giving her a big lies everyone's laughing called them all and said hey were you in Iron Apple last week when we were in um... <laughs> I said because I'm going to ask you a question if you tell me the truth you know, I'll find you two weeks' wages um, and we'll move on. If you tell me lies, and I find out you tell me lies, you'll never pay for me again. Were you and I in Apple last week? Yes, Gaffer. Two weeks' wages. And I don't even know if I'll find them two weeks' wages. Uh, you never. You never. But I didn't ask you If you yeah. told me lies, if you said no, you wouldn't have paid for me again. But Did you generally mean that? You I did not pay for it. Yeah, yeah I love that. those principles. Yeah. yeah and, and he love knew that. that. I knew, so, that. Uh, I knew that. No, and I never mentioned it. I mean, it was a funny story now because, but at the time I was, I was, I was annoyed. Don't get me wrong, I was annoyed and I was upset because it showed a lack of professionalism from him, where he'd been so professional all pre-season, flying through the runs. And I, look, when I look back, it's disappointment that he'd worked so hard. So to um, to, to to hide the disappointment, he's, he's he's jumped on a plane to see a friend of his. So there you go, and. Um, but you know, they never, they never. Well, I was, I was. Do you know what? It's one of the questions I'm thinking to myself. Please tell me the truth, Jamie. I really yeah, mean. because I've said it now. I've got. <laughs> yeah. I've got to have to let you go if it's lost. <laughs> but I don't I think it's awesome anyway. <laughs> the things that's really. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that's really important here is there's there's a couple of objectives with what we're doing here. One is definitely to tell Jamie's story, but also. We want to influence some of the youngsters who are um, who are out there now, and I think that some of the values we're having a laugh in here, but some of the values that we hold dear to are coming through in what we're talking about, and that's really really important. I mean, something you said, Paul, about you set a principle, you you turn around and said you cross that line, this is what's going to happen. What's interesting, if you listen to Jamie's story before. 
that was his mother's role and yeah. he and so therefore right at that point you were engaging a kind of discipline that he understood because he'd yeah. got that already from his mother and he, he understood yeah. that that was a mark and those lines nowadays are muddied and it's really really important that some of the values of you know paul you being a manager at the time uh, jamie being a player understanding where that all fits and 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 how you navigate through your way your way through that is really really important so so that's where we are now okay so let's paint the picture now now you're in the premier league right yeah. Yeah. and are you getting the game time that you you want to get you're you're, yeah. you're doing what you need to be doing you're, yeah. you're, play, you're playing week in week out you've you've made it then have you have you hit success have you seen it as like now you can i don't want to say take your foot off the gas because you probably should never do that but did you then after everything you'd been through up until this point you talked to us about your early days you talked to us about growing up and how everything was fine until you know you started making the wrong decisions then jail comes then out of jail then changing club to changing club, then not finding a home, then finding a home, then becoming a professional footballer in the right way. Did you ever take a step back at this time now, premiership footballer, and say, well done, Jamie? Nope, not. Because I had had one go at it with Leicester, mm. right, where I never played week in, week out. I made sure, I, when we got to the premiership, I trained the whole summer again. Mm. Never took a drink again, except for a little holiday in... Um, in Iron Upper, right? Never touched a drink. I was training all the time. So I was like, I'm going to play this year. I don't care. I'm going to play in this year, um, play in the Premiership this year. So obviously, I was very disappointed that I pulled my quad. I was out for five weeks. Mm. So obviously, I missed the start of the season. We played Middlesbrough away, I think we played. Gaffer, yeah? Yeah, yeah one I, I actually went to the game. This is how professional I'm kind of getting at the time I'm going to games when I'm, I have no need to go to the game right mm. I wanted to go and support the boys and whatever Dean Saunders scores we win our first Premier League game and then the second game I probably trained about five six days we played Sheffield Wednesday at home I remember it was like it was yesterday they had Andy Hinchcliffe playing left back he was he had most of their assist so what the Gaffer's done is changed the winning team He's put me to play against Andy Hinchcliffe because I had the physicality to deal with him. Um, obviously, I'm not match fit, but I ended up going with some 50-50. He got stretched off in this game. And That's his job done, I get taken off. And we ended up getting a point out of the game. So, yeah, then I know that I'm off and running in the Premier League. For me as well, I think the Premier League probably suited me more than the Championship because... I was an athlete, and you had mm. to get around the pitch. You are listening to Prison to the Premiership, the Jamie Lawrence story. What was what was some of the, the biggest highlights of that season? Uh, not just whether you stayed up or didn't stay up, but in terms of some of the players you played against, um, some of the teams you played against, some of the you know games you were involved in. <laughs> First one was... <laughs> was Arsenal away, the gap was flaming right back right? <laughs> <laughs> to Mark Henri. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he plays you right back, not even right wing. 
No, right, but obviously I normally play right. Mind you, that's a right winger played right back as well, by the way. I played a lot of games right back, especially like when we played against teams like Berry and Stockport. I would play right back because they were big and physical. So I play right back and we'd be very solid. But we also had that little bit going forward. But play me right back this game. Omri's got the ball in the first two minutes. Knocks it past me. And I thought I was quick. Jesus. He got past me. I'm thinking this is going to be a fucking long night. This is. <laughs> <laughs> what, what year is this? Because what, what are we talking? The youngster Henri or he's just getting to his... Yeah. What, just what year? Playing wide left at first. Yeah, he was wide well, left, yeah. Yes, so this is 99-2000 season. Right, there you go. Okay. Well, the good news, the good news for you, Jane, yeah. there's a little, there's a picture actually on the newspapers with that, but where they've taken the shot, you and him look like your levels. You look like you're keeping <laughs> up with him, son. <laughs> that picture's at home. That's when we actually... Uh, oh, is it? That's a different one, is it? Yeah, that's a different uh, one. So but, he comes off in this game, yeah? He comes off in this game. Who comes on? Overmars. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think even Paul's probably looking at you thinking, don't worry, Jay, it's not your fault. Sir. That night, because that hardly, it was a night game. So, you yeah. know, Jim, you know, it's like the pitch is like, there's a bit of dew on it, this tight pit. That, that, and they've got, I think we're quite a big side, you know. And then we're in the tunnel at Arbery, and then they come out, Adams, Keown. Bearcamp, Vieira, Petit, Suka. Oh, <laughs> he was on a bench. Suka, that was yeah. Suka on a bench. Yeah. What a, you know, just what a side, and they absolutely annihilated us. And we lost two 0 One was from a penalty, and they scored from a corner. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh my god, on the way home, I thought we'd won the league because it could have been twenty. Absolutely yeah. battered us. And that was the thing. We played Watford on a Saturday. Thing, and you play, you think you go, this is just a, this is a different level. This is the, and Henry, was, that the, was that the wake up call, Paul? Was that like no? I don't think it's a wake up call. I just think the, I mean that was only wasn't even established then. He was you know he just coming. I think he came from Juventus, and it was yeah. the first few games he was feeling his feet. But you look at that side and you think this is what it's, this is top top draw. You know what I mean? And, but the, I said to I was talking before he came on there. The difference between you look at those top top players now yeah. or even then is that. They do everything right. People talk about um, you've got ability. What's the most important thing, ability or application? They've got both. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So if they can work hard enough, I mean, Ronaldo, best player in Argue, one of the best players in the world, probably in the gym as we speak. Yeah. And be players yeah. you think, there's, a, there's players you think are playing in League Ones and Two in Championship, think they should be be at that level. They probably mm. be, they won't be living their life. You know, it, it's, it's one of them things where the top boys, whatever they get, they earn because. That they, to play at that level for so long you've got to be switched, so dedicated forget the ability you've got to dedicate your life to your job and that's what they do it's mm. not a fluke is it and that again no. goes back into this this core message which we're trying to you know show uh, not just younger people watching this but anybody who wants to apply themselves to anything is that application and dedication to the craft whether it be a nine to five job that you, you want to get a promotion at versus right up to being a professional footballer. You've got to show that level of commitment, right, Paul? Yeah, 100%. And I can only speak on football because that's the only yeah. the, the game I've, uh, job I've ever had. But the way I, you know, I brought, brought up a young kid at Liverpool when they win the European Cups with Tunis and Dalgrish, you know, there's no secret to it. There's no secret. It's just dedication. I, listen, good players. Uh, listen, I've, I've had some success in my coaching career I've had some nightmares 
And so, uh, without being horrible, I think sometimes you're only as good as your players. You know, it doesn't make me a great coach because I've got Bradford and Wigan. It doesn't make me a bad coach because I went wrong with Derby or Switch, Sheffield Wednesday. I made mistakes, don't get me wrong. But, you know, those top players, as we saw Michael before, even the top players just need little bits of advice and stare here and there. Not not everybody knows it knows everything. I don't know everything, um, but I just I, the biggest thing I ever for for the lads in the Premier League was those top players. Every single one of them, what I see, were team players as well. So they would be making runs away from the ball to make space for somebody else. Where maybe a player at our level in our team or a bit less level only make a run to get the ball if you don't get it their arms are up in the air they want to know why yeah, those yeah. top players never stop you never stop you know Beckham I mean Beckham started doing more that Greece game when England qualified for Europe no one sees how hard these top players were. well he do but a lot of people and, and want to be you know you talk about the young kids that you're trying to help they just see the trimmings the cars the houses well, there's, a lot, there's a lot that goes in it before Jim knows Jamie knows um, to get to that level it's, 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 it's about the application because we've all got some ability but those guys who make the most of the ability and Jamie's one again Jamie's one now when he looks back his career he made the most of what he had so he deserve huge credit for that huge credit maybe if he'd have had you know lived his life a bit better earlier on he might have even achieved more yeah he realised exactly realised quickly that if you don't apply yourself no one will give you anything in this game but Paul What's important, though, as well, is recognising, and Jamie's recognised this, that you come into, you meet people in your lives who impact that in a positive way, and you're one of them for Jamie. Um, because what's come across is all of us need people who believe in us, and that's coming across very, very strongly. At different points in Jamie's career, he said, that person believed in me, and that's what made me... Uh, that's what kicked me into that extra gear because we, we're all looking for that person to believe in us. And, and I think sometimes we estimate, underestimate the power of that. Uh, yeah, I think I do. I think I did as a manager because when I, when I believed in some in players, I, I wouldn't always tell them the good thing. I, I'd try and motivate them by trying to get them something to hang on, you know, to, to drive them on. Some players, when I look back, didn't like that or didn't take that well because, you know, they needed the arm round, which I wasn't really great at. Um, sometimes I just thought, you know, the, the bare truth or the way I saw it, the truth was the way forward and they would respond to that because that's how I was brought up at Liverpool. I remember getting a trick for Liverpool reserve once against Sheffield Wednesday. I played from Kenny Dalglish would come back from me. He had a nasty cheekbone injury. 2-0 down, we won 3-2 and I got a trick and as I came in, I'm sat there and the boss is looking at me like that. Joe Fagan is looking at me. Ronnie Bellan's looking at me. And it's you pointing at me. I'm thinking, it must be someone behind me because I got a yeah. And they said, um, I won't tell you what they said. The expletive they used, they went, and, they, and when I, I got at it, he said, he didn't hold it up. He didn't make enough good runs. Basically, what they were saying is, you might be okay in this reserve side, but that's not good enough to get in the first team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm. not good enough. No one, yeah. no one near it. So yeah. I worked it out myself. No one ever told me that, that that's what they meant, but that's what they were saying. So maybe it's one of my misgivings as a manager. I probably didn't explain or grasp the, uh, I don't say weaker characters, characters who, who, who couldn't really take on board what I was doing. I used to, to drop bombs off for everyone, thinking they'll, they'll, try and, they'll try and show me on Saturday. Yeah. But some players didn't because they didn't quite get it. And that's, that's the art of management that sometimes I probably didn't grasp. I was literally just about like, to say that. That's the art there. That's the art, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Of, of man management. 
Um, wanted to bring Jimmy in as well there. We're talking about mentality and, you know, uh, Paul talking about how important it is to make it as a professional footballer. Jamie having his own struggles with mentality up until a certain point where it clicked for him. Did you, did you have any similar struggles in, in terms of mentality-wise and how important is that? Yeah, I think we all do it. We all do it at times, you know. I mean, just listening to Paul there is unbelievable, you know. The, the insight there and the advice there is fantastic. Everyone, you know, young kids especially going to the game need to listen to that. And I don't know, I know Jay preaches a lot and that's a lot to do through Paul as well because I know how much Jay thinks of Paul. Um, but my, my, my sort of, my motivation was um, sort of growing up. I got, I got a free at Notts County when I was seven, 18 um, and that hit hard. It hit hard. Like there's not enough help around that time. You have to sort yourself out. And I did in the end. I had a bad couple of months and lost love out of the game. And it was just my old man was good to be fair. And he he, he knew the game a little bit. Um, he played a bit himself. And he said, "Look, you got to give it another go. If you don't do it now, you'll never come back from it." So I had that to come back to, and I ended up getting a second chance with Walsall, and went sort of kicked on from there a little bit, and, and dug back in and fell back in love with the game and. It was, and then my struggle again then, because I'm only small for a goalkeeper. I mean, I'm like 5'10 and half, 5'11 with a good pair of boots on. So I, it was always, me was then, um, yeah, he's done well in Division 2, but he'll never be ready for Division 1. He's, uh, yeah, he's done well at Division 1, but he'll never be in the champ, in the prem. So my motivation was there myself. And it, I think if you're using things like your knockbacks in the right way, then it can make you stronger. And it, it certainly made me stronger. I didn't so much want to prove to other people that I could, that I belonged to a higher level. I wanted to prove to myself. I, I, want, I went out most days and there comes a point, I mean, I did mess around a lot and I had a great time off the pitch as well, but sort of on it and in training, as you get older and you realise where you want to go, I was, I was bang at it and I wanted to prove myself right and, and you know, fortunately, I, I, I got there in the end and, and I had a, had a great run. I was, got injured towards the end so I didn't play as many as I would have liked but, you know, it was, you know, for me, mentally, I, I learned a lot of lessons on my own uh, you know when I was young and, Jim, and that stood me in good stead Jim how old did you play to? Uh, I went to 39 in, uh, in oh. the end and in the Premier League? yeah the pre I mean I thought I thought my chances had gone Paul because I, I was at Walsall in the champ um, and I was just 29 just turning 30 and it was like one of those and I love Walsall it was, it was a great club but I always had oh, come on I need someone to take a chance on me and luckily uh, I had a good last season in the champ and and Pards, Alan Pardew took a, took a chance when he was at West Ham. I think I played a lot against his Reading sides. So that was, at, that was at 30 and I felt really, really comfy. And it, I mean, it's, it's a different, the higher up you go, it is, it's a lot quicker and things, people do things a lot different. But I sort of evolved with it really quick and I enjoyed it. And I, I, I had the season in the champ with West Ham and we got to the playoff final at the end. And that's when I, I, I injured my knee in the, like, the last minute of the game, coming for a cross, I mean, Jay will tell you I've never come for a cross ever so that's probably why my knee went <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those like, I've waited all my career to play in the Prem anything came in the box that day I was coming to, to claim mm. it sort of thing and not taking no chances and unfortunately that happened But so that was another setback and that was really I mean that was dark days after that for a, a good six or seven months was, was really tough so I'm seeing people playing in the Prem who I've just helped get there and that was always that oh, was my dream yeah. that's tough for me yeah. but you know again you, you've, you've got to find that resilience inside you I think it comes from inside and I really kicked on and, and got me, you know, got me focused back and end up playing uh, another four years for, for West Ham. Although I couldn't quite reach the levels I wanted to. It was, I was always around the Prem and then went, went end up at, I got a great move to Spurs at the end. Harry took me into Spurs as well, I think. 
partly I think because I was a good character in there and it was it was good to be around but you also knew I could do my job and that was it I got to 37 in the Prem and I ended up going back to my old my first club Walsall my first love sort of thing and I sort of we, we had a good couple of seasons there I helped them stay up so it was a nice finish to be honest but you know the, the great story to interrupt there you Sorry. played to your 39 so you've seen so obviously the old fashioned bit of what I was talking about I was I was brought up to so the, the modern player so you've got great experience there and, and Jamie's what you, you and Jamie can give to kids who are coming on is look I saw that how it was how it used to be <laughs> I can see it how it is now you know what I mean and how it's changed so you've got you two got massive experience to say well in the old days this happened I'm not saying it's right I'm not saying it's wrong but nowadays you've seen I bet you've seen the game change far more than I have you know all, all the players changing you, you understand what I mean the way it's approached and the way the young guys you have to look after them so much now it's that is now I've come back into the game after a few years out of Swindon doing a little bit of a different role, and even I can see how how, how you have to how you have to change and and uh, rather than to do plays you know when I was young you guys young we told as we told now you almost got to be a psychologist haven't you absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely. you do I mean what's interesting about what you just said there Paul I mean I've been a national coach of Grenada twice and um, the players the local players that uh, come from the, the Caribbean region they've got a different mentality we were talking about it before we came on air but what was interesting was the players who'd come over like Jason from the Prem you you, you really needed to, to get into them to actually get them to respond but the local players all they wanted was somebody to believe in them. So you had to use the two different tactics to motivate the same group. And, and then you got a result. If you tried bollocking a local, you wouldn't get nowhere. And one of the reasons you wouldn't get nowhere is actually because they're used to it. Yeah, they've been, they've been they're there. They're actually that, immune yeah. to that. They yeah. spend all day cursing each other. So therefore, you doing that doesn't get anywhere. But you show them that little bit of belief that you can do, you take them aside, you have that little word in the air, then all of a sudden, they'll knock down walls for you. Yeah. And, it, and it, it has been an interesting change. Really has. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was lucky. I mean, like Paul, you said there, Paul said, I sort of, I'm a coach now, so I, I've seen the best of both worlds. You know, I've, I've seen how you grow up with that and you did, you did what you said. You knocked on the first team door and I love that respect. And I think that, there's definitely a place for that. I, I, I will keep that in any club I work at. Needs to have that for me as well. So, and I know a lot of a lot of people want to keep that, which is which is rightly so. But also, characters are so different now. Like you say, you you give some of the bollockings that we give out now, people go under. But like mm. most would go under. So there is certain ways you you have to talk to people different now. But I think fundamentally, the respect that we had growing up has to stay, and, and most have that to be honest. Um, Jay, I've got to ask you this in the Bradford season, obviously a Man United fan myself. Um, yeah. any, any good memories against Manchester United home or away? And you, Paul? We got battered <laughs> home and away. They're the only team that's home and, home and away. Remember the Skulls goal? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you play in that game? Yeah, yeah, I played in that game. It went straight past me. Right? <laughs> He's volleyed it from outside the box. Yeah. From a corner. the edge of the box, um, Skulls Would, League. Was you supposed to be marking him? No, 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 no. He wasn't a squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first game, we played them on Boxing Day at yeah. Old Stafford. And um, I don't know if you were playing, Jim, we're going to all let you out oh, against no, Devon. 
was playing right back again. Anyway, so I'm thinking myself, I'm thinking, right, okay, Bradford, Fergie, just every fixture load, they're going to, they'll leave a few out, you know. So this is my, my, my take. I didn't tell the players that. Anyway, so now before kick-off, you go down the tunnel with the York captain. I'm going to ask Stuart McCall. And Ferguson's walking up at Roy Keane, which is a bad sign because that means Keane's playing. <laughs> He's walking the same sheet. I'm trying to look at the same sheet without, and Fergie sticks ass straight in his pocket. And I think I, what I used to do, Jay will tell you, used to write the, the opposition out and go through the formation, go a bit about every player, what the good at, what the bad at. Yes. So I'm thinking, one, Bosnich, two, Neville, three, Sam, <laughs> four, Johnson, <laughs> Erwin, from the right, Beckham, Keane, <laughs> Goals, Giggs, Sophia, Sheringham, I went. Good luck. <laughs> you actually I just mean, said that to him before the game. I went, fucking good luck, lads. And they all started laughing. I'm not going to sit there and go, Beckham can't cross it. Fucking Keane's got no legs. You know what I mean? <laughs> we kept it in 0 0 for 75 minutes. Jamie will tell I think they had about Sophia and Sheringham off. Yeah. Brought Cole and York on. <laughs> Whichever way it was, anyway. Yeah. Roy Keane scored the first goal, we got B4 0. They scored four in the last 15 minutes, but yeah. I, I do remember that thinking, fucking hell, Fergie, give us a break. And, um, <laughs> but that was, uh, that was again with sort of about the Arsenal thing. That's, that's, how tough, that's how well them lads did to stay yeah. in that league. No disrespect to the team, because we had a good, we had a yeah. great team. Yeah. But to, for us to, to, to be competing with that level and staying in that, you know, the year before was a great season where we got, I think we won 26 games. And you know, in Sky, they always put on Sky, your manager's stats and asked my stats, yeah. like, my stats were high. But the year after, they were terrible. But it was a better achievement if you understand what I mean. Yeah. We, yeah. we only won eight games. Mm. But to mm. stay in that league, was, yeah. you know, down to the players was, was, was amazing. No, he goes on there to say what an achievement it was. And that fits in nicely to kind of rounding off that year. At Bradford, because for those of you listening who you know don't know how that ended, this how it did. You, know, you, you stayed up, and Paul saying there winning eight games as well, which might be seen as as not a great achievement considering you won twenty six odd games the season before. But staying in that division, what what type of feeling and what type of um, you know elation did that did that give you, man? Probably the best feeling of my career, really, because I won the cup at Leicester. <laughs> I was a mm. player. I won promotion, bit part player. But to win promotion at Bradford and then stay up by and the last game of the season just summed us up really playing Liverpool. That was twenty years ago today, Jamie. I think. Is it? Wow! 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 Look at that! Look at that! He looks younger now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about you know if you can remember twenty years ago to the day. I know you remembered a lot during this story. Um, I start with you, Jamie, and obviously Paul. Feel free to come in, but. You're saying Liverpool, last game of the season, <laughs> clearly not an easy task. What do you remember about that game? But they need to beat us to go to Champions League. People don't yeah. remember this, right? Mm. And for me, that's probably one of the hardest times of my life leading up to the game because I get a phone call on the Wednesday saying that my dad's dying. So mm. um, I go into the gaffer, say to the gaffer, I don't think I can play in this game. And he says to me, listen, do it for your dad. And obviously, that's the only motivation I needed on that Sunday. Because I, I played like a man possessed. Probably one of my best performances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bradford career. Paul, can you echo that? I mean, was it difficult in those days leading up to it? Obviously, with Jamie's dad becoming ill. Yeah, I mean, he, he came to me and, and, and exactly what he said. He said. And I just said, look, 
I've been through that situation. My dad passed away when he was a lot younger, um, and I said, "Look, just just try and use that." Um, he was on the floor, obviously. I said, "Well, you know, play the game, play it, do whatever you can for your dad." And he had, I can see one now. I can see. I think Matteo had the ball. I can see it now. Play it to Berger. He closed him down. Berger played it back to Matteo. He closed him down, and they're looking at each other, saying, "Who is this lunatic?" He's playing he like was, a man possessed. He, he was <laughs> the energy was unbelievable, and and as as Jay said, they were going for the Champions League. That you know, you had Gerard, Redknapp, Owen, Heskey up front. Yeah, I mean, you're not talking a poor side. You're talking a really, really good team. Um, but the, yeah, Jamie, that shows you the character that he, you know, he took on board what I asked him to do, and played. And I remember having a quiet word and addressing everyone's elated. I knew. Obviously, as happy he was for, for staying up, it was tinged with sadness because he was having a bit of a personal tragedy. So again, great, um, great mental strength, great belief, and, and and great team ethic. That's what Jamie's. We all laugh and joke about it. What Jamie's biggest strength was for me, he was a team player. He would do anything I asked him to do to the best of his ability, and. Um, Again, he wasn't interested in getting all the, the fancy bits. He'd he done the hard yards. Jamie did the hard yards. Blakey's and Millsy and Biggs got all, all, all of the, the plaudits. Jamie did the hard yards. And um, that's what made us, a, I said, when I say a great team, that's what made us, that's why we were successful. Because we had some Mavericks in our team, but we had people like him and plenty of others, by the way. But mm. that, that summed us up. And, and that Liverpool game summed us up. That, is, that is brilliant. I mean, you know, what I love about this is that every for every memory that there is or for every uh, sequence of events, we always manage to get back to the fundamentals, which is always talking about that determination, talking about learning from life, talking about dealing with struggles or, or grief or setbacks and stuff like that. It, it really is. And Jay, to finish, to, 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 to close out, um, which we're going to get to the, the crescendo, but you stay up, <coughs> stay up with Bradford. Must, yeah. have, been, must have been amazing scenes. I was, it was obviously I was sad as well like the gaffer come up to me the boys were going mad and all that because I, I hadn't told none of the boys as well so then mm. I was going through so they're celebrating the gaffer says that's for your dad and I'm like can't say that to me now <laughs> yeah I'm gonna, I can't hold I, it together I'm going to look soft in front of the lad <laughs> <laughs> so I calm myself down we go for the lap but obviously my thoughts are with my dad as well mm. Uh, so we, we stay up, which was great achievement. And then a few days later, or a couple of days later, Gaffer, I hear the Gaffers resign, which killed everything for mm. me. Like, we had, this is how big it was. We had an open-top bus for staying up. <laughs> <laughs> what, he, what, he, what he's forgot to tell you, it went down a fucking dual carriageway. I mean, it goes down a dual carriageway. You know, right? <laughs> it's like my you can't friends. get fans watching from there. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that a, so? You didn't know that Paul was going to um, resign. At, uh, I didn't. Uh, oh, you didn't. Paul <laughs> <laughs> didn't. I didn't. My relationship with the team was getting a little bit fractious, and then we went out one night, one afternoon. He took me out. And I, that, the night that uh, we saw about, I got home that night and I got off the Sheffield Wednesday job that night. I said, no, I'm Bradford manager. And mm. then I went out for lunch with Jeff Richmond and he told me he wasn't very happy with me. That we'd had a poor season and he wanted to sign this player and that player. And I said, no, I want to sign this player. And that. So it was going wrong. So I decided there and then that um, I would leave. And then I left. It looked like uh, Joe Kinney, I think he was getting Sheffield Wednesday job, but that never happened. 
and two or three weeks later when Sheffield Wednesday, which hindsight wasn't a great thing, but I didn't want to leave. I had a great group of players there, but the most what I've learned from management and always say to, to Jim and, and Jamie, if you ever go into management, the most important relationship in the club is between you and the chairman or the owner, whatever it is, because mm. once that breaks down, there's only one winner, and I didn't. I decided there and then if you know, I thought I'd earned my stripes after two years of making all the decisions, football decisions, but he wanted to be involved and I, I couldn't have done. Unfortunately, I decided to leave. No more than that. People can say there is, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that does happen all across football. You know, relationships um, break down. It does happen. And, and Jamie, where did you think that left you? Another manager gone? Um, to be fair, like, me and the gaffer, like, the mutual respect what we had for each other was the biggest thing in my career at that time influenced me the biggest like he will play me every big game I played in I will come back from injury for five six weeks they play me like the Liverpool game I'd been out injured five weeks and the Wolves game obviously I'd been out Wolves reinstated me for the big game because he trusted me and trust is a big thing in football for me I think mm-hmm. if the gaffer like it will take six, seven, no, seven out of ten every week instead of having someone who will do five out of ten this week and nine out of ten next week. Mm. You, you, if I made a mistake, it was honest. You know, I'm not just going to turn up and toss it off. I'm going to give everything. I'm going to hurt for the cause, which I did. Mm. You know, so when he when the gaffer left, obviously my dad died as well. Um, went to Jamaica to bury him, and then Hutch took over. And he, he was the gaffer's number two. So I thought, all right, I might be all right. But we're not with Hutch now. I mm. want to play off. He was more fancy than sort of type player. So where did you go after that? No, I stayed because he got sacked after about nine, ten games. But <laughs> the thing about it, he weren't playing me until times got hard. Then mm. he reinstated me. Then he wanted me to play because he, he needed a solid um, spine. He actually realised that I weren't that bad a player. But then he got sacked after a Charlton game away. And then we had we had some <laughs> funny managers coming after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I went on the transfer list, actually, and the gaffer tried to get me at Sheffield Wednesday, but I think they got him there on false pretenses at Sheffield Wednesday with the money, what they said that he had. Yeah. That, that move fell fell through as well so in the end I stayed at Bradford for another two and a half three, two and a half three seasons and did you go down the season after um, yeah that season as soon as the gaffer left as as that was gaffer, it that was it because the gaffer had people in the change room who, who got on who worked and had things to prove right mm-hmm. and I think that's what made us as a team like if you've got things to prove and you've got a bit about you you've got every chance of staying up or doing well. And but you guys then, managed to prove that for sure. Yeah, but then we had people coming in, Dan Petrescu, who hated Bradford, right? They signed him in London without seeing Bradford, right? Good little player as well, Petrescu. I'll bring him to Bradford, he won't sign, right? <laughs> 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 they signed Benny, they signed um, David Hopkins, they signed about six or seven on Big Dole, and the whole balance of the team had gone because we yeah. everyone everyone grafted everyone grafted yeah Jeffrey well, Jeff, wanted me to sign and these I'm not saying these people aren't good players because they were exceptional players yeah. Stan Collymore Carboni Paul Ince was one yeah. uh, I can't remember this, and I just said no I mean we, he brought George Cadet in 
who actually thought I was a taxi driver, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I haven't got time to tell it now, but so, but what he didn't realise, he couldn't grasp. Certain clubs need certain types of, of people around them. You know, we were we, the training ground we had was at the time was dreadful, but the lads never used to jump in our cars and drive. No one moaned. Everyone just got on because that's the way, the way it was. You know, we, um, so those players only coming for one reason, one reason only, and everyone knew that. And that, I think from the outside looking in, that probably blew the dressing room apart because you had vast players on vast money and, and some on good money. But when I was there, certainly the gap in, in wages in the whole team was very little. Everyone yeah. on decent money, but no one was on money that was ridiculously higher than anybody else. And that, despite what people think, that helped that, that bonded us together. We were all in the same same boat. Guys, we've, we've come to near the end, but we cannot end without the big story. Um, Come on, Jim. Jimmy, di- <laughs> Jimmy, this is it. Jimmy and Jamie, I mean, talk to us about this last um, holiday then. Well, do you know what? Can I just say, like, I, I don't like to end on this because after what you've all said there, that's... Is it, it going to bring, bring the time It's down? been amazing. It's, so, <laughs> especially with, with Jay's on one, I know what he went through and that, and when he's saying with, with sort of the gaffer to Paul there and, you know, do it for your dad and he plays like it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing story as well to listen to. But so I can I can give you I can give you one that won't Yeah, give <laughs> us a version give us that. give us a version nah, that can kind of fit in with, with it. <laughs> yeah, long long story. I mean like I said touched on before, I'd only know Jay like he'd only been in for the last month of the season really, wasn't it? And we, yeah. I think we, we ended up staying up that season, which was as yeah. amazing for, for Walsall as well in the champ. You know, we 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 was right against it and we ended up staying up but so we said, Right, let's get on holiday and most of the lads <laughs> Was all off. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And gradually, went one by one. When the missus had a word and went, nah, I can't go, mate. I can't go, mate. So everyone, <laughs> everyone sacked it, and I'm left. There's only me and Jay left, and I didn't really, I didn't really know Jay then. And I was like, well, he went, what are you talking about, bro? I'm, I'm there, mate. <laughs> I went, right. <laughs> I went, it sounds good to me. So we ended up going. I mean, we had we had a nice little gaff. One of my mates come as well. And, this one I know Jay's such a good lad as well. One of my mates from Mansfield came, big rugby lads, not got a clue about football banter. And I'm thinking, ooh, this, I'm not sure about the dynamics of this. We had an unbelievable yeah, rugby band is a lot different. Yeah, exactly. But we had an unbelievable, we had an unbelievable few days. We had, I mean, Jay was the night before, was we was in this club and it was like the club had mirrors the whole way round it. And it was like, oh, it was brilliant. It was about four or five in the morning. And we'd been out for about three days solid. And Jay's like, and we, we was in a VIP bit up at the top and he's, he's had a little mooch around Jeff. Oh, where's he gone? Anyway, he came back. I went, all right, you're all right, bro. He went, yeah, 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 that's sweet. So, so listen, I might, I might get off. This is Jay. So he's, he's slipping off. So I'm like, all right, mate. Yeah, no bother. Mate. I'll, I'm going to stay and have a couple more. Like, So I stay in the VIP and I'm like, within about five, six minutes again, he's back again. I'm like, ah, where are you going, bro? He's going, he's going, yeah, 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 yeah. And he looked all confused. He's been, I'm like, what is he? This geezer doing? So I'm, I'm like, on. he said, no, nah, I'm off, I'm off. And he's carried on again. So I thought, I'm going to follow him here. Something don't add up here. <laughs> and I watched this guy for about half an hour. I was like, you got to think the mirrors were the whole way around. Even the door was a mirror. Watch <laughs> <laughs> this guy go around the mirrors the whole way around the dance floor like that. Trying to get out. Trying to push his way out. <laughs> and I swear, the jubilation on his face must have been like rival with state. Because he's pushed this door into the mirrors and the door's open. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is a great story. That's just one. That's probably just one we could talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, it's brilliant. 
picture that, eh? Jamie trying to get out of a multi-mirrored club. Honestly, live with me forever, that. Where the, where the door is absolutely I think this, brilliant. Honestly, the celebration must have been the same as when they stayed up in Bradford. Yeah, I swear. Oh, <laughs> it's been absolutely brilliant. Guys, listen, we've come to the end of today's segment. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, thanks for the two guests coming on and joining us, Paul and Jimmy. It's been a great insight. Really appreciate it, guys. More than welcome. Enjoy yeah. it. You've been listening to The Jamie Lawrence Story in the company of Flex, Otis Roberts, Michael Adams, special guests, and the incomparable Jamie Lawrence. Aim Higher is a Jason Roberts Foundation production.